America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, you can always text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777 and follow me all over social media. Get the show notes, the live stream, and the like. We got to talk about Hunter Biden as promised. The Hunter Biden investigation. I thought it was interesting. Well, First, as a matter of intellectual honesty, I, I think we got to start here with, with a, a point that we've got to grapple with. Because it is a, a, a matter of intellectual honesty to point this out. That uh, a lot of the whistleblowers' actions, particularly the IRS whistleblower um, and, and the, the statute of limitations issues for Hunter Biden, they were dealing with Trump appointees. They were not dealing with Biden appointees at the time. The investigation began in the Trump administration, and it was political appointees, not just careerists, within the Department of Justice who worked for Donald Trump who were waving away a lot of this stuff. And I don't know if they were waving it away because they thought, well, if we we go easy on Hunter, they'd go easy on on uh, President Trump's kids or something. I I or I don't know, but it, it's we got to deal with the fact that a lot of this happened when Trump was president. But there are lots of issues beyond that. Uh, Mr. Shapley, the IRS whistleblower, said at every stage decisions were made that benefited the subject of the investigation. For example, prosecutors concealed contents of Hunter Biden's laptop from investigators. The Department of Justice slow walk steps to include interviews, serving document requests, and executing search warrants. Warrants that were ready as early as April of 2020 but were delayed until after the November 2020 election and never pursued. The investigators were not allowed to follow up on the WhatsApp messages from Hunter Biden's Apple iCloud backup where he suggested he was sitting next to his father. Assistant U.S. Secretary or U.S. Attorney Lindsey Wolf cited the optics of executing a search warrant at President Biden's residence as a uh, designing factor for not allowing it, even though she agreed the probable cause existed. Prosecutors instructed investigators not to ask about the big guy or dad when conducting interviews. The Biden transition team was tipped off about interviews the night before the investigation went over. The fact that my FBI counterpart confirmed to the committee in recent testimony where the result was that only one witness spoke to investigators that day, these are just some of the examples of how the investigation was stymied. Now, from what he said, I have an extrapolation. And it goes back to Bill Barr. If you remember some of Bill Barr's conversations, those conversations were about how you don't want to interfere in the election. You look at what James Comey did. You don't want to be accused of the same. So the result is you you slow walk, you don't walk, you don't engage. And so the careerists were essentially participating in a two-tiered system of justice because they were afraid of being accused of trying to tamper with the election, like James Comey, that they would have been said, oh, this is Donald Trump, dirty tricks, and we know that's happened. We know that would happen. Let's be honest here. Let's just be honest with ourselves. If the FBI went after Hunter Biden during the middle of the 2020 presidential election, Joe Biden's team and the media would have screamed that this is Donald Trump interfering with the election. So what? So what? It looks like they have the evidence and the goods. And instead what happened is when Hunter Biden's laptop came out, they said it was a Russian trick. 
I think the context there has to matter as much as anything else. Yes, they would have been slammed. They would have said it was was prosecutorial misconduct. They were trying to affect the election, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that it was James Comey all over again, except they had the goods on Hunter Biden. They had the goods. And you know they had the goods because the Democrats went out of their way to avoid dealing with the evidence. I'm just going to play you some money. I'm not going to play the whole thing because it's very long, but this is Summer Lee. She is a congresswoman from Pennsylvania. Thank you so much. Very good. Uh, Chair, now recognize Ms. Lee from Pennsylvania. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Republicans have been invoking this term two-tier system of justice a lot recently. So I want to talk about what the real two-tier justice system is, where black and brown people are over-criminalized and over-incarcerated. On June 20th, Chairman Comer claimed in a committee press release, quote, the Department of Justice's charges against President Biden's son, Hunter, reveal a two-tier system of justice. From this, uh, as you see or have seen from the knockoff uh, social media site, former President Trump has also used this phrase in connection with the Hunter Biden investigation. I'd like to address the way my Republican colleagues are attempting to co-opt the phrase two-tier justice system to make it sound like Trump and his cronies are somehow the victims here, when the reality is that the term two-tier system of justice is meant to refer to the very real system that exists in the United States and which affects black and brown folks, not powerful former presidents and their political allies. And she went on for another four minutes. She didn't want to, she, she never really asked a question. She went on for five minutes almost. Talking about this, and, and now this is uh, Chantel Brown, another congresswoman. Listen to this one. Six after four years of Donald Trump's misuse. Congressional Republicans, however, are working to make these inequalities worse through their efforts to defund the IRS and other Democratic priorities included in the Inflation Reduction Act. So since my colleagues claim to want stricter IRS enforcement, you would think we would at least agree on giving the IRS it's proper funding. So let me conclude by asking a simple question, Mr. Shapley. Yes or no? Do you know the rate at which black taxpayers are audited as compared to taxpayers who are not black? No, I don't know. Well, the answer is black taxpayers are audited at 2.9 to 4.7 times the rate of non-black taxpayers. Another question for you, sir. Yes or no? Will this hearing help alleviate the racial disparity in the rates of the IRS audits? Uh, no, not the topic. Thank you, and with that, I, I, will yield, yield. <laughs> I will yield the balance of my they, they, time. To they don't even. They, they don't want to address the hunter. They know it's bad. It doesn't matter who was president at the time, who was in charge of, of the DOJ at the time. They know it's bad. They know there's a double standard here. And then you've got uh, what Quasium Fume. He used to be the the head of the NAACP before he got elected to Congress. Listen to this one. Here's what galls me. I don't like these attacks on the Department of Justice, the FBI, the IRS, as if they are somehow anti-U.S. agencies. Those agencies keep this democracy in check. It keeps them in float. They provide the checks and they provide the balances. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. says, what? Uh, you, you know about the FBI and, and, and that? Really? Really? You got the president of the NAACP defending? <laughs> My, 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 how the roles reverse. He's defending the FBI and the IRS that they provide the checks and balances, not the Constitution. They know there's a problem. They couldn't even uh, deal with it. And the fact of the matter is, yes, 
they can say it is a matter of, of fact and the record that a lot of this happened when Donald Trump was president and it was his political appointees who decided not to engage. They decided not to engage because they didn't want to appear like they were influencing an election. In other words, Hunter Biden got all sorts of benefits of doubt because he was the son of a vice president running for president of the United States. You can't deny that. The Democrats refused to even engage with it. They wanted to talk about all sorts of other things, so they didn't have to talk about it. They wanted to turn it into a dog and pony show over other grievances about spending and the IRS and race and racial disparities. They did not want to talk about the allegations against Hunter Biden. They can't talk about the allegations against Hunter Biden because they know it looks bad. What I find most interesting and remarkable is that you've got people like the former head of the NAACP now defending the FBI and the IRS, that somehow they're, they're above criticism. You and I both know darn well that if a Republican were in charge, they would be engaged in withering criticism of these agencies. They only defend them when the Democrats are in charge. And it's amazing the former president of the NAACP would be defending uh, the, the FBI and the IRS. But here we are because they're circling their own wagons, defending their own precious. They got nothing else to do. It's a damning indictment on the Biden administration, on Hunter Biden, and it does, in fact, show that the that there was a bias towards Hunter Biden. Now, I played this audio yesterday. Uh, this is DeSantis talking with uh, Jake Tapper on CNN, this two-tier justice system. I do have to ask about the breaking news today. Sure. Uh, your chief competitor, the front runner right now, uh, Donald Trump, says he was informed that he is the target of Special Counsel Jack Smith's investigation into efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election, and Mr. Trump has until Thursday to report to the grand jury. If Jack Smith has evidence of criminality, should Donald Trump be held accountable? So here's the problem. Uh, this country is going down the road of criminalizing political differences, and I think that's wrong. Alvin Bragg stretched a statute in, in Manhattan to be able to try to target Donald Trump. Most people, even people on the left, acknowledge if that wasn't Trump, that case would not have likely been brought uh, against a normal civilian. And so you have a situation where the Department of Justice, FBI, uh, have been weaponized uh, against people they don't like. And the number one example of that happened to be against Donald Trump with the Russia collusion. Uh, that was not a legitimate investigation that was being done to try to drive Trump out of office. And so what I've said as president, my job is to restore a single standard of justice to end weaponization of these agencies. We're going to have a new FBI director on day one. Uh, we're going to have big changes at the Department of Justice. Americans across the political spectrum need to have confidence that what is going on is based on the rule of law, not based on what political tribe you're in. And then the second thing I would say is this country needs to have a debate about the country's future. If I'm the nominee, we'll be able to focus on President Biden's failures, and I'll be able to articulate a positive vision for the future. Uh, I don't think it serves us good to have a presidential election focused on what happened four years ago. Now, we, we can stop there, but you get this. Republicans really do have a story to tell. 
when you contrast the handling of Trump and the handling of Hunter Biden, they do have a story to tell about a two-tier justice system, depending on who is politically connected among the elite, who the elite like in this country. They've got a story to tell. The question is, will they have the discipline to tell it? And i got to tell you, I didn't play you a lot of audio from the hearing because a lot of it was Republicans grandstanding. And I was deeply frustrated by that. The hearing was happening when I was on the show yesterday. I had to go back and watch a lot of it. And my gosh, you could just fast forward through. You could get to some of the probing questions, but there weren't a lot of probing questions. It was a bunch of just stunts playing for the cameras for donors. There were so many things left off the table by the Republicans. I was deeply frustrated with them. Jim Jordan did a very good job trying to navigate him there. But but some of these guys, they were just they wanted to perform. They did themselves a disservice because there's such a story to tell and it needs to be told. And at least now we do get the information that, yeah, you had Trump appointees and then passed off to the Biden administration. None of them wanted to engage because Hunter Biden was Joe Biden's son. So they even allowed statutes of limitations to lapse to avoid having to make the difficult decision to charge him. You or I would not get that treatment. Want to be on the show? Hello? I, I love your show. Call Eric now at 877-973-7425. Want to be on the show? Come on, be on the show. Call Eric now at 877-973-7425. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here. So I, I was at the gym yesterday talking to uh, the gym owner. He, he's so y'all. I, I this. I don't want you to. This doesn't sound. I know it says sounds pretentious, but so I pay extra so that I can go work out when nobody else is there. I used to go. So I go to a CrossFit gym and I do the the, the CrossFit exercises and stuff with the owner. Um, I used to go to the class, but every time I went, it just descended into I had to talk about politics and my show and what do I think about this news headline and that headline. And, I mean, I can barely breathe to begin with. I'm huffing and puffing. It's finally like, listen, can I just, like, pay to come work out with you? So so I do. And it's just one-on-one with the trainer in the afternoon right after the show. I go for an hour. And he was talking about he and his wife, uh, newlyweds, they're, they're watching Suits. I guess on Netflix, the old TV show with Meghan Markle in it. And he just says, he says, that girl's not a good actress. She just, he says, the show's good, but she's like the, the worst part about it. She's not a good actress, which is in fact the criticism of Meghan Markle is she was never a successful actress. She wasn't that good at it. Uh, well, Harry and Meghan asked to fly, uh, on Air Force One with the, uh, Jill Biden after the Queen's funeral, but they were denied. Uh, they've been trying to uh, use a variety of methods to gain access to political figures, sending gifts, letter writing. Um, Jill Biden's wish to attend the Invictus Games was nixed with British officials, suggesting it wouldn't go down well with the royal family, allegedly. I mean, these people, it's just embarrassing. It really is um, the, the, the freeloading. Uh, Harry Wales is famous for one thing, who he is, the family he was born into. Meghan Markle is famous for one thing, who she married. She would have otherwise been a forgotten um, actress of bit unmemorable parts. 
and we're forced to suffer through media spectacle after media spectacle with these ungrateful people who've decided that they want to make fame by tearing down the House of Windsor instead of just owning it and, and being a working royal and showing up and shaking hands with people and doing supermarket openings and stuff. They, that that the, the work of the royal family is beneath them? Oh, my gosh, I find these people so insufferable. It is the worst thing about celebrity. The Kardashians have done more for this world than Harry and Meghan. And she wasn't a good actress. And the sucking up stuff to get into the White I just, I, I find it just detestable. Uh, and yet here's another story of them trying to weasel their way into fame and fortune. Um, have y'all seen the, what is it, the Bill Simmons comments about Harry and the podcast? And May, just, I mean, they don't want to put in the work. They don't want to do the work. Ugh, yuck. Okay, we got to move on. Um, I got to tell you about Vision Computers, and it's back to school season, which is a perfect time to tell you about them because we got our son a gaming PC from them, but they set it up for him to be able to do his schoolwork and stuff too. So it's got Microsoft Office and everything on it. They helped him with his email. They did everything with him. I didn't have to do anything because we just give him the tech support number. He calls them, and they're really good. He's 14, and they're really good with him. They're really good with you, too. They can build you the computer that you need or that your kid needs for school, laptop or desktop, or for your business, laptop or desktop. They can build you what you need, and then they can be your tech support. So you just call them and tell them what's going on. They can remote in. They can set up email. They can help you with your printer problems. They can do all sorts of stuff online, over the phone. You never have to go to them, and they give you great prices, really good prices. You can save some great money with them, too, in addition to the world-class tech support. It's Vision Computers, visioncomputers.com or 404-COMPUTE, visioncomputers.com or 404-COMPUTE. Fearless and occasionally funny. You're listening to the Eric Erickson Show. Greetings, conversationalists. It is Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me. Uh, we got to use my favorite quote. So I know we've got new listeners in Florida, Connecticut, South Carolina, around the country. The show continues to grow. I thank you all for being here with me. So now I get to tell you what everyone else who's been with me for a while can quote by heart Harold McMillan. He was Prime Minister of the United Kingdom between 1957 and 1963, uh, purportedly one of Queen Elizabeth II's favorite prime ministers. He was approached, swept into power, and was approached uh, by a reporter. And the reporter asked him um, what would determine his premiership. And he replied, oh, you all know it, events, dear boy, events. I say very often on the program, events change things. Events change things. We have had now for the last uh, year or so grand, great speculation of a recession. And suddenly, a lot of the major media outlets are telling us no recession is coming. Jim Cramer says no recession is coming, which, of course, means a recession is coming. Events, dear boy, events, they change the course of future. But there's more. I've been wanting to talk about this all week, and, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoehorn it in here now. Because it's really important, and it doesn't get talked about. It's not even about conservative radio being so obsessed with Hunter Biden investigation and stuff. Or now the Jason Aldean song, which talked about yesterday. <laughs> i got more on country music later. 
Um, no, it's the media itself is not really talking about this particular issue. And I'll get to the issue, but first I gotta jump back to other news. The Russians are now saying, as of midnight Moscow time last night, that any ship headed into Ukraine was going to get blown up. And if they were flying the flag of a nation, that nation would be presumed to be at war with Russia. Uh, They are escalating. You see, Ukraine exports um, a lot of the world's, uh, one-fifth, I believe it is, one-fifth of the world's grain. The United States is the number one exporter of grain in the world. I think Canada is number two, but Ukraine is in the top five and, and, and with Russia as well in the top 10. And the Russians had last year agreed Ukraine could continue to export wheat. Not this year. They're not allowing it. We're in July. The August harvest season in Ukraine is upon us. Prices for bread and grains in Africa and Asia are going to skyrocket in China as well. The Russians are doing this, trying to force the rest of us to give up on Ukraine. It's going to be a shock to the world economy at a time where everyone seems convinced we're now not going to have a recession. Bread prices are up over 10%, defying expectations of inflation around 3% year over year. Bread prices up about 10% year over year. Bread prices getting expensive. Flowers getting expensive. Grains are getting expensive. Events, dear boy. Events. Add into this the issue, the big issue. China is on the verge of deflation. This is from Bloomberg News. China's consumer inflation rate was flat in June, while factory gate prices fell further, fueling concerns about deflation risks and adding to speculation about potential economic stimulus. The consumer price index was unchanged last month from a year earlier, according to data released by the National Bureau of Statistics on Monday. That was the weakest rate since February 2021, when slumping pork costs dragged on the index. Core inflation which excludes volatile food and energy costs, showed to be four-tenths to six-tenths of a percent. Producer prices fell 5.4% from a year earlier, the deepest pace since December of 2015. The risk of deflation is very real, says one economist. So inflation is bad, particularly hyperinflation. Inflation, when it's below 10% or around 10%, it's about 10% in Europe, it's below 10% here, and now it's declined here, it's declining in Europe. It's not comfortable, but it's manageable. Hyperinflation is the bad one. Hyperinflation is when your bread costs a dollar today and tomorrow it costs $10 and the next day it costs $100. That's hyperinflation. Deflation is the opposite. Deflation is bad. We don't want deflation. Deflation is a depression. Uh, you, you listen. I, I, so I know a lot of you. You're, you're thinking deflation needs to be good because inflation has raised prices. So now we need a deflation to lower prices. But that's not what you want economically. What you want for stability is you want inflation to come down, but still be inflating slowly. So the Fed wants inflation to be going up at two percent. In other words, prices had gone up about eight nine percent. And now they want them to still go up, but only 2%. In the meantime, what happens is your wages catch up. 
your wages inflate as well. Your wages inflate at a lower rate than the in, in, inflation we've had, but at a higher rate than the 2% inflation. So eventually your wages catch up, and then your wages begin to exceed the inflationary rate of the consumer prices, and so everything costs a little less to you. And you don't have deflation. Those prices are still going up, but your wages begin to go up more than them, so it feels deflationary, but it's not. Deflation is when the prices begin to collapse. And what happens when the prices begin to collapse is you're paid a dollar. The prices of the goods that measure your salary are 90 cents. So the company makes 10 cents. Or, yeah, uh, no, 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 I'm doing that wrong. So you're, you're paid a dollar. The, the, the prices are a dollar 10. So the company makes 10 cents. You're at a dollar. The goods are at a dollar ten. Now the goods collapse to ninety cents. You're being paid a dollar. Well, the company's now out ten cents. They're starting to lose money. The prices go down further. The the price of the goods sold is is eighty cents. You're being paid a dollar. What has to happen is your wages have to go down too, and you don't want your wages to go down. It sounds good. Everything's going to be cheaper, so my income's going to come down. The problem is it wrecks economies. It causes deep destabilization. We went through the Great Depression. The Great Depression was a massive deflationary bit. What happened is stock prices fell. The values of, of uh, people's money fell. Uh, the, the people couldn't keep up anymore. Suddenly they're out of jobs because businesses can't afford workers anymore. It becomes a deeply uh, collapsing, destabilizing effect in economies, and it appears China is on the verge of deflation. China has a lot of other problems as well that are baked into this. So I subscribe to a newsletter in Substack. Some of you guys subscribe, and, well, I subscribe to my own. And what's so interesting to me is the amount of time I see in this newsletter from Jim Ellis how often he's focused on China. And China has all sorts of economic problems right now. China is having a real estate problem. Real estate values are collapsing in China. It turns out the government was overspending on infrastructure in places, trying to build up places in China. Uh, bridges, roads, even airports. One area of China has three airports, and they average four flights a week. They built this massive infrastructure, this field of dreams. You build it, they will come, and no one came. And now all the real estate values are collapsing, and people are holding the mortgages, and banks are starting to go under. And local governments have been found to be cooking the books. They're having massive economic turmoil in China right now. They're having massive problems, and you've got deflationary effects on the way. Events change things. A Chinese depression will have spillover effects in the rest of the world. One of the reasons it will have spillover effects in the rest of the world is because of Chinese nationalism. Young men in China, remember that they, they, they had a, the one child policy for so long and people would kill the girls. So there are a whole lot more men in China than there are women. They're struggling to find jobs. They're struggling to find brides. They can't make a family. They're deeply anxious and they're taking it out on the government. And so Xi Jinping has to do something to keep them happy. It's all becoming deeply destabilizing in China. So let's, let's, let's put this picture out there. You have bread prices defying inflation reductions here. You have grain harvest issues in Ukraine because of Russia. 
deflationary pressures in China, financial banking, mortgage and loan instability in China. It's going to be very hard for China to overtake us economically, number one. Number two, we are going to have to be the leader in the world whether we want to be or not. I know there's a growing strain of protectionism in the United States right now. There are a lot of people who just think we can rest on our laurels, let the rest of the world go along. We don't need to lead anyone. We need to look internally. We need to solve problems internally. We can't be the world's policeman. We can't be the world's banker. We can't be the arsenal of democracy. We've got to be because the Chinese are the only alternative. And we have an opportunity because the Chinese are having major financial turmoil. And we, by the way, don't look now, but our debt-to-GDP ratio getting out of hand. we got problems, too. It's just China has more problems than us, and Europe has gone stagnant. Europe is in decline. Europeans are going poor. They're not – the reproduction rate and uh, the birth rate in Europe is so bad now. Retirees are having to work longer. Their retirement values are declining. There are major problems in the world financially, major problems in the world. The only country that has it together is us, and we've barely got it together. We've got it together because it's like we're on, on Xanax and Prozac. Uh, and, and so we've got it together. Everybody else is just trying to figure out where they can get the Xanax and the Prozac and manage things, and they can't do it. There's a lot of instability in the world. We've got to lead, and the problem is we got Joe Biden in charge. We got Joe Biden in charge, who half the time doesn't make any sense and isn't coherent. Something wicked this way comes. You can feel it. The Russians and the grain, the Chinese and their debt and deflation, the angst in this country and the turmoil in this country. I continue to fall back on, on the idea that you should take Jeremiah 29 to heart. Uh, seek the welfare of the city in which you live, and there you'll find your welfare. Focus on your local area. Focus on your family. Focus on location. Don't focus on the big picture in Washington. Uh, they can't affect you on a daily basis as much as your local community can. Think local. Act local. I think that's good advice. But we are in an interconnected global market, and the United States is going to have to lead, and it's going to make some of us uncomfortable. Certainly going to make the world uncomfortable with Joe Biden being the leader. But we have an opportunity in China's economic turmoil to take advantage of it and reassert ourselves on the world stage, and we better have a plan to do it. And I don't know that the Democrats do, which is another reason we got to get the election right in 2024. And that's another reason I hope you'll consider doing business with a company like Patriot Mobile, Christian conservative cell phone provider that funds the causes you care about in the conservative movement. They fund candidates running for office who are conservatives, particularly parents running against wokes on school boards. They fund the pro-life cause, the Second Amendment cause. They're growing the conservative movement, but they need your help. And all you have to do is take your cell service to them by going to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today. You can sign up with Patriot Mobile. Move your cell service to them. Move your cell service to them. You can move your existing phone number to them. And then, as they grow their profits, they grow their giving to the conservative causes you care about. If you don't want to do it online at patriotmobile.com slash Eric, you can call them, 972-PATRIOT. You will be speaking to someone in the United States. they got 100% U.S.-based customer service. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation. You get incredible discounts if you're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, a teacher. And then they grow the conservative movement when they grow their profits. So you help them. They help the causes you care about. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today. Patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Or you can give them a call, 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you and get guaranteed great service. And again, they're probably using the same cell towers you're already using. When the world seems crazy, he'll keep you sane. It's the Eric Erickson Show. Get the podcast, live stream, email, and social media links by texting ERIC to 33777 now. 
So uh, the minute I leave here today, I'm headed to the airport. I'm not going to be here tomorrow. Uh, I am taking Philip to Las Vegas. And if those of you who don't know story, his he and his wife had their first child back in March. And uh, they've basically been home with the kid ever since. And I told him the moment he could get away, I would take him to Las Vegas. Um, and his wife finally gave him permission to leave the house. She's going to take the baby with her on a trip. And so I'm taking Philip to Las Vegas. And I will be consumed by the British Open. Uh, in fact, uh, Rory McIlroy uh, teed off this morning at 9.45. So the, the tee-off times, the way they staggered it, it was kind of – I was looking yesterday, and they started U.S. time. They started at 1.35 a.m. Matthew Jordan uh, was one of the first to tee off, and Rory McIlroy teed off at after 9 o'clock this morning. They staggered so that you could kind of uh, get some of the bigger names there when the sun had come up in the United States. Uh, so you had Mickelson uh, and uh, Kalamarakawa after 10 o'clock, Rory McIlroy right at 10 o'clock, 9.59 this morning. Um, it, it's, it's kind of a big deal. I, you know, maybe it's, you know, the, the, the memes are um, men hit their 40s and they either get into barbecuing or World War II. I, I kind of got into barbecuing World War II and golf and football all at the same time. And I am absolutely fascinated now by golf because I've started, I play and I'm terrible. Y'all, I suck. There's no, no, so I've got a friend of mine in the media. He's a, he's an anchor on a national network who's going to go nameless, Leland. <laughs> uh, wants me to come play golf with him at a really fancy golf course outside in, somewhere in Missouri in September. And I'm intimidated to go. And I know you're listening to me right now. So this is my confession. Um, so I'm supposed to do a I'm supposed to do a charitable dinner that weekend, and I'm going to get my secretary to see if she can move stuff around for me so that I can go to play golf with him. But I, oh, I'm really intimidated because I play golf with friends, and it's kind of my excuse to day drink. Um, I, I hang out, we have a few beers or suburban, and we smoke cigars, and we have a really good time. And I'm not very competitive about it. I just like to play, and he's really, really good. Like he's really good. And he's more competitive at this sort of stuff than I am. So I don't know, but I've I've become fascinated watching it because the reason is I know how badly I play, and I play with some people who are really good, and it's impressive to me. You you don't have to appreciate the game. You you don't have to be a golfer, and I get it. Like for years, I wasn't. I thought, why do people watch this game? This is boring. But now that I've learned the swing, and I'm not good at it, but I can hit the ball. Uh, Kyle Morris at Barnsley Gardens, he's, he's my golf pro who teaches me. And, and I've had many a good golf pro from many a like five-star golf course, and none of them has been good at Kyle. He's gotten me regularly off the tee now. Um, but I know how hard it is to make that brilliant shot. And so I'm fascinated by the people who can do it so regularly. It's magical to me to watch these guys hit these impressive shots. And, and then some of them have clunkers. Uh, they've got such bad shots. I'm like, my gosh, I could have hit that better, and I can't hit the ball. How are you on the PGA Tour? I'm just, I'm absolutely, I'm, uh, I'm fascinated by the entirety of it now. I absolutely am. I, I am genuinely obsessed with golf. Uh, and now, you know, the, so the cool thing is, actually, so I'm, I'm on WFTL now in South Florida. And this station is so massive, it covers so much. It, it basically goes uh, from Miami, I mean, up the coast. It, 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 you, get into, uh, you get into Palm Beach, you get into Fort Lauderdale with it, you get into Jupiter with it. Um, it's, it's got a huge presence uh, up to Jupiter and, and towards Point St. Point St. Lucie. It's, it's just, it's got a lot. Of, and I, I've gotten to know some of the people 
on the tour who will go nameless. And now they get to listen, and that's kind of cool too. And a couple of them are over there, and um, I'm just fascinated by the whole thing. And I'm going to be up in Vegas like every day just watching golf. We're going to have the most boring guy's trip to Vegas ever. We'll be back.